It's good to see you this morning. Turn, if you would, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. We resumed this study of James last week, and I personally was fed by the message last week. I trust that you were as well. I'm going to review that in just a moment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, thank you for this time that we've got together this morning that you've uh, given to us, that you've allowed us to be here today. I thank you for the health and the strength and the freedom that allows us to be here. I pray that you would bless now the effort to preach your word, that you would use it to help us in our walk with you to be what we should be. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I reminded us that this letter written by James appears to me overwhelmingly to have been written to believers of the Jewish uh, heritage, those who were Jews by nationality but who had placed their faith in Christ. This seems to be the audience that James was writing to. And in writing to them, I also reminded us last week that it does not matter who you are and it does not matter where you come from. It does not matter how advanced you may be in your spiritual life. Anyone is capable of getting off track and anyone is capable of backsliding in their Christian lives. And so it seems as though this portion of scripture that we're looking at right now was directed to believers who were no longer where they should have been in their spiritual lives. And James was trying to encourage them to get back where they knew they were supposed to be. And so last week we looked at the first part of verse number 8 where James said this, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And I tried to remind us in that sermon that like with any other relationship, we can only expect to get out of that relationship in relation to what we are willing to put into it. If a person is not willing to work on their relationship with the Lord, if somebody is not willing to put forth the effort and the energy to have a close relationship with the Lord, then they cannot expect the Lord to do all the work. God is not going to allow it to be a one-sided relationship. And so if you and I want to have the relationship with the Lord that we're supposed to, we have to put forth the effort in this realm of, for lack of better words, communication with him. We have to be someone who talks to him, and we have to be someone who not only speaks to him, but we have to be someone who is willing to listen to him as he speaks to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit. However God may speak to us, we must be willing to listen. If we're not willing to put forth the effort, then the relationship will continue to be distant. So much of it then is dependent upon us, all right? It really is. If we will do our part, God is faithful to do his part. But if we're not going to do our part, God will not force himself upon us. So that was what we talked about last week. This morning we're moving on. And as we move on this morning, I want us to think about something that has no spiritual value at all. I want us to think about something that doesn't really have any spiritual value associated with it at all, but it's something that I think all of us can relate to. I want us to think about our cars for just a moment. The automobiles that we drive, I want us to think about those. As you and I think about our cars, here is what we know, and again, this is going to seem silly, this will seem simple, but there is a point to this. As we think about our cars, I want us to understand this and consider this, 
that with every car there is an exterior and there is an interior. Right? It's hard to have an inside of a car without an outside of a car. And it's hard to have an outside of a car without an inside of a car. So every car has an interior and an exterior. And here is what we know if we have owned a car very long at all. At some point, it's going to get dirty. If you want to think about the outside for just a moment, here's what we know. That with all that is on the roads, with everything that is in the air... At some point, if we're driving a car, there's going to be all sorts of dirt and grime and and just stuff on the outside of our cars, correct? So that would be the outside element of the car. Now consider for just a moment the inside of a car. Again, if you've driven a car any amount of time at all, if you've owned one, here's what you know. At some point, it's going to get dirty on the inside. We're going to track things in off the bottom of our shoes. Uh, If your car is anything like our car, uh, the wife is going to forget that she stuck something in the door panel beside her, and, and, and later you'll find that whatever it was is still there. Maybe with the kids, you're going to find wrappers in the back seat. Maybe you're going to find ponytail holders. It's amazing what you can find in the back of a car that's been neglected for a while. So you've got a car, you've got an outside, you've got an inside. On the outside, it's going to get dirty with all sorts of grime and dirt and and whatever it may be. And on the inside, it's going to be dirty as well for a host of different reasons. And so now for just a moment, I want you to think about this simple thought in relation to your car. Imagine you say to yourself, I want my car to be clean. I want my car to be clean. Now, if we really want our car to be clean, what does that mean? It means this. We want the outside clean as well as the inside clean. Now, if all we're wanting is to just kind of do a quick once-over on the inside... That may be fine, but that's really not a desire to have a clean car. If you want a clean car, here's what you'll do. You'll take it to the car wash, and you're going to wash it down good. And then you'll start cleaning it out on the inside, getting all the debris, maybe wiping down the dash, whatever it is. But if you want a clean car, here's what it will require. It will require of you addressing not just the outside, but the inside as well. Not just the inside, but the outside as well. They go together. All right. Very, very simple thought, but it illustrates something that I want us to think about this morning. Again, James is writing, as I mentioned last week, James appears to be writing to some believers who have gotten off in their walk with God. They're not where they're supposed to be. As such, he said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Now, I want us to look at the last part of chapter or verse number 8 of chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse number 8 of James, the last part of the verse says this, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So James says, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 
This morning, because these statements work together, because they work in unison with each other, we're not going to look at every aspect of this separately. We're going to, co- to combine and join the thoughts as we go through this. So I want us to begin this morning by looking at these words, the words sinners and double-minded. I want us to think about these words, the sinners and the double-minded individual. Whenever James references a sinner, what is he talking about in this context? Is he simply referencing the fact that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Is he referencing the fact that all of us have missed the mark? Or is there something more to this word, this word sinner, than just the generic approach? Well, if you do some study, if you do a little bit of research on the word, here's what you find, is that this is more than just a reference to a person who misses the mark or someone who is is failing in one particular area of life or another. What the word sinner here is dealing with is someone who has become hardened to their sin or someone who has become devoted to their sin. Someone who has become hardened to their sin, let's listen now, or someone who has become devoted to their sin. I want to ask us a very simple question this morning. It's a question that all of us should be able to answer, but I want us to answer this question. Is it possible for a believer to become hardened to their sin? The answer is obvious. Yes, it is possible. Not only is it possible, it happens with almost every believer at some point in their life. Something creeps into their life by way of sin, and it goes undetected or it goes undealt with. And here is what happened. Here is what happens. The longer that sin is not dealt with, the more the believer gets hardened to whatever that sin is to the point that it no longer bothers them or disturbs them. I think every one of us could give testimony of sins that we have had in our lives for an extended amount of time, and it did not bother us any longer. It could be some sin of immorality. It could be some sin of addiction. It could be a sin of a critical spirit. It could be sin of rebellion. It could be sin of a self-righteous attitude. It could be so many different things. But we are able to become hardened to our sin. Not only that, we can become devoted to that sin. If we were honest, I think many of us would have to admit that that not only have we been hardened to certain sins, we have almost become, for lack of better words, addicted to those sins. And without some kind of attention being given to those sins, those sins will continue to have control over us. Would we agree? Okay, so so when James references the sinner, he's not just referencing the fact that any of us can sin and any of us can miss the mark. He is talking about the one 
who becomes hardened to their sin and they become devoted or they become addicted to the sin. And that is something that is a a, a vice in their life and something that controls them. Again, something that can happen to every one of us. So he's referencing the sinner and he is also referencing the double-minded person. What is a double-minded person? Well, the double-minded person is the one who is divided in their interest. It is the one who wavers or the one who fluctuates. It's a lack of consistency. Follow this, please. The one who is double-minded is the one who is divided in their interest. They waver or they fluctuate. They lack consistency in their spiritual lives. Is it possible for a believer to become double-minded? Again, the answer is yes. I think every one of us, if we were honest, here's what we would have to admit, that there have been times that our interest has been divided. We, we have an interest in the spiritual things, but we also find ourselves having an interest in the things of this world. We, we have an interest in the things of God, but we also have carnal interests, and, and maybe to a point that we ought not have those interests. And so here is James, and who is he writing to? He is writing to people who have become hardened to their sin. He is writing to people who have become devoted or addicted to their sin, or he is writing to people who know how they ought to be living, but because of their double-minded nature, because of their divided interests, they are people who are less than consistent in their walk with the Lord. It's something that every one of us, again, can struggle with. We all need to hear this this morning, okay? None of us need to tune out. We all need to hear this. I don't care who we are. I don't care how advanced we are in our spiritual lives. We can become hardened and addicted to our sin, and we can have a divided interest where we fail to be consistent in who we ought to be as a child of God. So in light of that, what did James say? He said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. So he says to cleanse your hands and to purify your hearts. I want us to think about these words, cleanse and purify. Cleanse and purify. What do these words mean? They just mean this, to make clean that which is dirty. That's the simplest definition of these words, to make clean that which is dirty or that which is contaminated or that which has been soiled. All right, so what you've got here by way of a a picture drawn in the minds of, of the readers by James is this, is you've got people who are believers, you've got people who are saved, who have a relationship with God, but here's what's happened. Their lives have become contaminated. Contaminated by what? The sin of this world. And so he says, because of the contamination, because of of the stain that sin has put in your life, here's what you need to do. You need to cleanse your hands and you need to purify your hearts, ye sinners and double-minded. 
You need to address that. You need to take care of that. You need to clean this up. You don't need to allow it to continue in the shape it's in. Address it, James says. Your life is dirty. Your life is, is, is soiled. Your life is contaminated. And so James says very simply to the sinner and to the double-minded person, that needs to be addressed. So to stick with the illustration for just a moment, I want us to think about this. It's kind of like the car that you and I drive. Over time, in ways that we may not have even realized it was happening, and in, in ways that we didn't even notice it, here is what's happened. Our lives have gotten dirty or contaminated. Now, this is so important that we see this, because in the last part of verse number 8, what he said was this. He said, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So we've dealt with the sinner, we've dealt with the double-minded aspect of this, we've dealt with the, the cleanse and the purify aspect of this. So, so what we have next, really, to deal with is what he said to cleanse and to purify, and that was the hands and the hearts. The hands and the hearts. I want us to think about this, so very simple, but I want us to think about this. What is the heart a reference to? It is a reference to the inner man. Are we aware of this? Every person that you and I come into contact with, every person has an inner man, a portion of them that cannot be seen by anyone else. You have an inner man in your heart. I have an inner man, which is my heart. That is how every one of us are are designed, that is the way every one of us are built. And so James said, you need to purify your hearts, the inner aspect of the person. And he said, you also need to cleanse your hands, ye sinners. So if the heart is a reference to the interior, the hands could only be a reference to what? The exterior. You following this? You need to purify your heart, he says, the inner man, and you need to cleanse your hands, the exterior of the man. And so what James is saying, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And as you do so, here is what needs to happen. You need to cleanse your hands, purify that, wash it, make it clean, address it, address the outside, but also be willing to address and to purify the heart, the inner aspect of the man. I want us to see this. That as we have an interior, we have an exterior. And in the Christian life, both need to be cleansed from time to time. Both need to be made right, both need to be purified, and both need to be washed from that which contaminates us. There is a need for you and I to make things right, not only on the outside, but also on the inside. Stay with me here. 
is it possible, and I know the answer to this, is it possible for us to become so hardened by our sin that there are things present in our lives that is visible and manifest for everyone to see? Yes. It could be words that we speak. It could be addictions that we have. It could be actions that we engage in. You and I are capable of engaging in actions that are wrong and that others are able to see. You know what needs to happen? We need to be softened toward those problems, toward those sin areas, whatever they may be, and we need to address them. We really do need to address those if we want to be right with God. Listen, if I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be in the sight of God, if you're going to be what you're supposed to be in the sight of God, then I have to be willing to address what is coming out of my life and what others are able to see that I know is not right with God. So if I've gotten used to talking in a way that I shouldn't be talking, if I've gotten used to doing some things that I ought not be doing, if I want to be right with God, I've got to be willing to cleanse the outside. But this morning I want us to think about this because I think I know the audience fairly well. And I want us to think about this, that usually, usually, you and I work very hard to keep the outside clean. But what we sometimes fail to give attention to is the heart of our lives and what's happening on the inside. You say, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Well, let me, let me illustrate just a, a couple of different things and, and, and see if you can relate to this. I, I hope that you can I'm going to use myself this morning as, a, as an example so that you don't feel like I'm picking on you or something that, that, that I may have heard about you, okay? All right, so it's just safer that way. I want you to know this morning that like anyone else, I get mad every once in a while. I do. You say, Brother Kyle, you get mad? I, I, I actually do get mad. Just this week, I have a solid example of, of a time I got very mad. The lady over the phone insulted my intelligence. I didn't appreciate it. I got mad. I let her know that I didn't appreciate it. I, I, I just I, I let her know very clearly that what she said was out of line and inappropriate. Now, I got mad, but I want you to know something. No matter how mad I have been in years and years and years and years, you will never hear profanity come out of my mouth. So the lady made me mad last week on the phone. She insulted my intelligence, and I told her I didn't appreciate it. I told her that very clearly, and she had no problem understanding my opinion or my position on the matter, but I didn't cuss her out. If anybody ever tells you that they heard me cuss, just know they're lying. By the grace of God, that's not how I handle myself. 
it's important to me that I don't handle myself that way, where I get angry and cuss and, and throw fits like that. You following this? If I did do that, there would be lots of problems indicated there, but I'm just saying that would no doubt be an external issue that I would need to address. Uh, but, but that's just not something that you will hear from me. I just want you to know that you'll never catch me at a restaurant with the beer at the table in front of me. It's just not how I operate and how I function. You say, well, why would you mention that? Because I've seen church members before sitting at a table at a restaurant with beers in front of them, and I don't think that helps the testimony whatsoever, okay? Uh, you want to argue about the right and wrongness of it, that's one thing, but I'll promise you this, it never helps a person's testimony. So I would just say this, you will not, by the grace of God, ever see me at a table at a restaurant with some beer on it. You'll, you'll never come to my house open the refrigerator and see my beer in the refrigerator. It's just not, it's not going to happen. That's an outside thing that I'm trying to protect my testimony against. You'll never hear of my wins or losses at the Oklahoma casinos. Plenty of opportunity on the way to Oklahoma to, to maybe stop in and play a little bit and have some fun, right? Okay, it's there. I'm just telling you, it's there. Now, I'm trying to show us something. That's not what I struggle with. Susie has never had to say to me, babe, we're trying to get to Oklahoma City. Do we have to stop this time? She's never had to say that to me. And I've never had to say to her, no, babe, not this time, maybe later. She's not struggling with her addiction to gambling either, all right? <laughs> that, that may not be so common if you think about it, but, but nonetheless, here, here's what I'm trying to show us. There are outside parts of my testimony that I work very hard to protect. I want that to be clean before the public. I want that to be clean in the eyes of men and women. So you'll not hear me cuss. You'll not see me drinking. You'll not catch me at one of the casinos. There's just a lot of things that you're not going to see me do. But here's what I've got to be reminded of, and here's what you've got to be reminded of, that the inside is connected to the outside, and if I am supposed to be clean, and if I am going to be clean, then it's not just the outside that I can concern myself with. I have to concern myself with the inside as well, and sometimes it's easier to just address the outside but not deal with the inside. If I'm going to be right with God, then I have to purify the heart as much as I have to cleanse the hands. This week, as I was going over my notes, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but but my mind was distracted while I was trying to accomplish something else. Has your mind ever been distracted while you were trying to do something else? Okay, so I was going over my notes in preparation for the sermon this morning, and my mind was distracted by something else. And you know what my mind was distracted with? Negative thoughts 
toward an individual in my life. Negative thoughts toward an individual in my life. Now, see, you couldn't see that. If I stood before you this morning and if I wasn't willing to admit that I had some negative thoughts in my life toward this person, you would never know that, right? But it was there. And as I'm distracted with those thoughts and I was working through my notes, shuffling from the first page to the second page to the third page, I'm just going over my notes. You know what I had typed down earlier in the week that I just read right after I was distracted with the attitude? It said, I just have to be honest and tell you, I have to work on my attitude with people at times. And you know what I thought to myself? I did not need to read that. What moron put that in the sermon notes? Oh, wait, I'm that moron. Now, what's my point? My point is just this. I could stand before you and say, bless God, I don't cuss, and bless God, I don't drink, and bless God, I don't gamble, and bless God, I don't do all these things. Okay, the outside may look great, but if I'm going to be right with God, the inside has to be as pure as the outside has to be. Because they are connected with one another. You can't separate the two. Well, I can struggle with the negative attitude. You wouldn't know it, but I know it. If I'm not careful, I can get hardened to it and I can be accepting of it and I can almost be addicted to it to where I'm, I'm constantly critical of other people. Hello? constantly critical of other people, but it's no big deal because you can't see it. No, it is a big deal because God can see it. So here's what happens for some people. I'll stop picking on myself for just a moment. Some struggle with inner thoughts of self-righteousness. They're just a little bit better than everyone else in the spiritual realm of life. They basically already know everything. They've basically already arrived in their spiritual life. And, and they're not suggesting for a moment that they're perfect, but, but you'll never hear them talk about anything they really struggle with. Well, well friends, that's a self-righteous attitude that we can become very hardened with. And you may be able to say, well, I don't do this like they do, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do that. Oh, okay, but your self-righteous spirit is every bit as contaminating to your spiritual life as anything you could do on the outside for people to see. And, and we don't always like to admit the inner struggles. Some have the inner struggle of rebellion. On the outside, they, they look like they're, they're submitting. On the outside, they look like they're in support of leadership. On the outside, it, it looks like they're in support of their husband or their parents, whatever it may be. And yet on the inside, they are rebelling toward everything the leadership is doing in their life. And the believer can get hardened to that. And the believer can almost get addicted to an attitude of rebellion and not even realize it. But they feel good because nobody can see that spirit of rebellion. 
Nobody else may see it, but guess what? God sees it. God sees it, and guess what? It contaminates you as much as somebody else's exterior sin contaminates them. I'm just trying to show us this morning a very simple truth. That in our spiritual lives, if we want things to be clean, if we want things to be pure, if we want things to to be as spotless as possible, it's not just the exterior that needs to be addressed. It's the interior that needs to be addressed. So it doesn't matter if it's an attitude. It doesn't matter if it's a critical spirit. It doesn't matter if it's a self-righteous attitude. It doesn't matter if it's a spirit of rebellion. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a spirit of lust that is never acted upon in the flesh. It doesn't matter what the inner issue is. That inner issue, listen now, that inner issue not dealt with, it is as contaminating as anything we could do in the flesh. And I just want to remind us this morning, if we really want to be right with God, it's not just the outside that we need to clean up. It's not just the part that everyone can see. It's the part as well that only you and God know. You say, I wouldn't begin to share this with anyone else. That's fine. God still knows. And that needs as much attention as anything on the outside could ever need. I'm just going to remind us one last time to be right with God. There needs to be a cleansing and a purification, not just of the exterior, but of the interior as well. Without both being addressed, we're not, as believers, what we ought to be. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to realize that in this process of being right with you, Lord, it's not just a matter of cleaning up the outside and making sure everything looks good to everybody that we come into contact with and sounding right and and having all the right answers. God, I pray that you'd help us to realize it is as much about our heart as it is anything else. And Lord, only you and the individual know what's really happening on the out, on the inside. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be honest before you. If there's anything that needs to be addressed, I pray that we'd be willing to address it so that we can be right with you. I pray that you'd help us to not be hardened to the sin, that you'd help us to not be devoted to it, that you'd help us, Lord, to not be so inconsistent so that we can be right with you in what we're supposed to be. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.